0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I sit down with LA-based artist, Cleon Peterson. How are you going? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime.
0: Um, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of your art around for years, but I don't really know that much about you. It's like, um, I don't know, there seems to be a lot of, uh, a lot of image, images out there of your artwork, but not a lot of uh, information about you as a person um like so so where are you from and uh, how did you get into art
1: uh, i grew up in seattle washington um and i guess i got into art i mean i just been making art since i was a little kid i mean it's what i did i was sick a lot when i was a kid so i'd just draw all the time when i was staying home from school and um kind of i was in the hospital a lot and uh I just drew all the time and um, kept drawing, and it's kind of the only thing I've ever really done. So uh, I just—I guess I just—it's—it's um, it's my 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 thing, my advocation.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, when you were younger, what sort of stuff would you draw?
1: Oh, I started. out, Well, the first one of—it's funny because like some of the first stuff I ever drew like in looking back is almost similar to some of the stuff that I draw. Now I used to uh, have this friend Andy and uh, he and I were really into like uh, war and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I draw like army scenes and battle scenes. And um, we were we read those uh, like world war two books all the time. I think time life made, like encyclopedias that showed like every battle and of world war two. And we were really into that. And, um, and then I was also into James Bond. So I draw, um, like fight scenes underwater. (laughs) I liked the drawing the guys underwater with the spears and everything because, uh, it was before I could like really draw faces and it was before I could draw feet. Those were the two hardest things for me. And then, so the face, I could draw like a circle around the face, which was the mask, you know. And then for the feet, I could draw flippers. So <laughs> worked out for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm still doing the same with uh, some of my art. Like when I draw draw faces, I put facial hair and sunglasses on them because I always seem to stuff up the eyes. And, you know, if, if I get a jawline wrong, I just slap a beard on them and, uh, <laughs> you know, just camouflage it all. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, did you ever go to art school?
1: Oh, man. I went to, yeah, I went to, like, tons of different art schools. I've, I've, I've dropped out of, like, uh, many art schools. I mean, I, st- I stopped – I dropped out of high school, actually. So uh, I started going to art school. Like, the second day of high school, I dropped out, and I got my general equivalency diploma, and then I – enrolled in, um, I, I got like a scholarship to go to, to go to college right out, right out of the gate. So, um, when I was 15, I'd started going to college already. And, um, I went to a place called Cornish, which was like a little, I mean, I guess it's not little, but it's like a local Seattle art college. And then, um, after that, I kind of decided that I wanted like a bigger experience, and I went to a college in New York called Pratt Institute. And then um, I, I, I quit going there and then um, dropped out. And then like later in life, I went back to college and studied design at Art Center, and then I got a graduate degree at Cranbrook, mm-hmm. which is in Detroit.
0: So you moved around so, a lot.
1: Yeah, I've done. I, I guess uh, I kind of st- stopped and started a whole bunch of times, but eventually I finished. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what, what made you um, drop out all the time? You just weren't into it, or you, you were just young and weren't committed?
1: Uh, I've always been like really committed. I think the the first time, I think um, I, I was skateboarding a lot and doing art and I just kind of I don't know I was so young at that first school I was like 15 you know I was like getting driven to school by my mom and she was dropping me off at school (laughs) it was weird you know so I guess I kind of didn't jive really and then um, uh, when I went to when I was like 17 and I went to New York um, I that's where I started doing drugs and everything, and I eventually dropped out because of that. Two years in.
0: Yeah, would you um would you recommend art school for people who are looking to get a start in their career? Because like I never went to art school, and a lot of people I've interviewed on this podcast are all self-taught. Um, but like, what do do you feel that art school is beneficial to your art career?
1: Um, I guess it just depends who you are. uh, I think for me, I, I think it was good. It's kind of a shorthand way to gain experience. And I mean, it just depends what school you go to, you know. Um, some of them were better than others. I think I like say, for example, I went to um, Art Center and that was a to study design. And I think that that was a good like technical education but it also kind of steered you into this thing where they wanted you to work um like at like an advertising agency or something like that and i wasn't i just found that that wasn't my thing really and then i went to cranbrook which was like way more into kind of like avant-garde um art theory and doing experimental stuff. And I think that was more my thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess like you could get different experiences at different places. I think it's good depending on who you are. If you, I mean, I think nowadays people don't want to go maybe because they think that they'll get into debt or something like that. And like, I took like a serious risk because I took out insane student loans that I never thought I'd pay back in my entire lifetime. But through some, you know, Miracle! I was able to to pay them back, which is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> still surprising to me.
0: <laughs> so you, you were mentioning that you uh you found the um experience of going to design school really helpful with your art. Um, like, do you mean with the uh with the output and everything? Because I, I like I agree. I used to work as a graphic designer, and now that I work as an artist, I'm constantly using um like design packages to uh, prepare artwork for certain projects. Um, like do you do do the same thing
1: I mean I think what the design helped me do was I mean the design is so uh, technical in terms of like figuring out composition and like detailing and balance and things like that you know learning typography it helped my eye a lot Um, I mean and then of course learning like uh, crazy organizational skills in terms of like a work ethic and um, how to like start and finish projects and everything. That's what the design helped me with. <laughs>
0: yeah. When I first uh, saw your art was um, back in 2013. I was working in London. And I would go to Lazzarati's on my lunch break just to see what uh, exhibitions they had on. And you had a um, had a crazy show on there where you had these street scenes of just chaos going on. Uh, you seem to have moved away from that style a bit now. Um, like, like where are they, where did these characters come from that you're painting now? Were they were they an evolution of the style of character that you were painting back then?
1: Yeah, initially I was painting like. Uh kind of scenes of deviance and debauchery and drug addiction and crime and violence on the streets, like things that I'd kind of experienced like, uh, growing up in Seattle and just kind of being on the streets and hanging around with drug addicts and things like that. And, um, those were like, uh, kind of narratives. I think from my own life and things that I was exposed to. But then uh, eventually, like, um, it kind of morphed into me thinking about things that were experiences that I was having that were, like, outside of my actual, um, you know, history and more in the world around us. And the things that I was thinking about was, like, uh the united states being at war and just war after war after war being in iraq and then being in afghanistan and everything and um kind of like the other in terms of like um anybody that's not like uh one of us you know in in the fight for power and just conflict in the world so I took it from like those power relationships in my own life and things that I'd experienced with authority and like, you know, people beating you on the street and stuff like that to then it being about like um society and violence and um war.
0: Yeah. And I guess with the uh the characters you're painting now, they're sort of more neutral, like they're like the the ones you used to paint had clothes on, and you know you could sort of you could place them somewhere. Whereas now they're they're naked, and and they more I guess they more represent good and evil. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, I kind of like um, you know lightness and dark darkness, or like uh, you know the I call them like the shadow figures or something like that. Just the dark dark side of um, humanity versus, like, the, you know, victimizer versus victim, that kind of scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was more specific because, you know, having, I guess, you know, I'm painting cities and, and people walking around on the streets and everything, and and those are situations where, you know, people would be wearing clothes and everything, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got more into, you know, like I'm trying to draw these figures and I'm trying to make them um, kind of like in, in graphic design. Like you, you look for the, um, the most basic feature and the most direct way to communicate an idea in form. And um, I think that I lost the clothes because like uh, – just the strength that i wanted to show was more um emotionally kind of visceral i guess when it was just the human body itself you know without the thing
0: yeah and the wounds really stand out as well yeah i love i love the line work just like simple lines representing certain things it's um yeah, it's really, really, really strong. Especially with the uh, the color palette, like you you work in a predominantly limited color palette, and um, I really like the uh, you know just working with two or three colors maximum, and that's it. Like you, you most of the time it's just two with you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, well, right now I'm using just black and white, and then the natural color of the canvas that's showing yeah. through. So it's like a three color situation. But then prior to that, it was, like, red and white and black. So these things, the colors are, um, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I should do more colors, and then I'll do some sketches and I'll try some um, paintings out. But I can't get the right emotional feel, um, like, with the – compositions like it always feels like a party or like um kind of all over the place you know chaos colors or something like it's not like the violence and the and the extremeness that i that i want to communicate with just the two or three color palette
0: yeah no i i I agree i think they're um i think they're really strong and i I work predominantly myself just in three colors as well and uh, i like the challenge of um, having lots going on but only having three colors to um, get the message across. So you have colors that sort of touch each other and there's no line dividing two different objects, but you have to let the eye break things up. And um, it's just a really good challenge as well. um, And I think the uh, overall look of it is really graphical.
1: You have to balance everything like super carefully. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I know there's a lot
0: of a lot of thought process that goes into it because I, I do I I draw every day just with a black pen and a red pen on the white paper, and, oh yeah, um, and just even you know you want to bring the white into it but you just have to leave the negative space and then where you know work out where two two objects are gonna match uh, hit hit each other but they're the same color and like work out ways around everything. It's um I think it's a really good uh good challenge artistically.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, the graphic design thing, it's like before I'd um, studied graphic design, I'd always want to just fill everything up, like, really solid, you know?
0: Hmm.
1: And, like, graphic design and, like, learning typography and everything, it teaches you to to kind of figure out, um, you know, the open white space, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to think of the space equally, like, black and white as being, you know, equal in balance, you know? It's... Um, it's definitely you know, not easy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's one of those things people can look at the uh the finished product and go, Oh, they've only used two colours or it looks quite basic or whatever, but the thought process that goes into um you know, creating great work, uh is there's a lot more to be said than you know, for even just a few lines on a on a page but they're really considered to compared to, you know, I don't know, someone doing something photorealistic but um, unconsidered
1: yeah it's definitely a different different beast <laughs> yeah
0: totally so um so with the violent nature to your uh, to your paintings and your artwork like have you copped a lot of um flack from you know f- critics or, or general public
1: you know surprisingly not um, I think that I don't know if people uh, Um, well it's funny initially I think when I did the work when I did some shows people there were a couple people that came to the shows and just left like right away but it was before people kind of got used to what I was doing but then um, you know like say I'd always be um, conscious of painting on the streets or um, doing violent work out in public and Surprisingly, like I, I think I never really get any negative feedback, and I don't know if that's because people walking around on the street think that if something is out there and painted on the wall, that it, and if it looks like a certain way, that maybe in some way it's been kind of rubber-stamped to be up there, <laughs> so that they're not an authority enough to criticize it or not, but... No, it's interesting. Even when I was in Poland, there were people that were, you know, 75 years old walking by the murals that I was painting and, and uh, saying that how much they liked it and that they really related to the imagery. So you just never know, I guess. Yeah. But surprisingly less negative feedback. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you seem to sort of be around a little bit to being everywhere all of a sudden um like but I know that behind all that and before you know before you were everywhere you would have had to do a lot of hard work in the in the background like how long did it take to really get your career up and running
1: I guess uh, like this round of of painting I think I've been doing since 2010 maybe so um and for years, I, I mean, until about two years ago, I was, like, working every day, a full-time job, and then I'd wake up at, like, 4 in the morning and paint before I'd go to work at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, just two years ago, I was able to kind of quit my job and then work full-time on just my art. So it's it hasn't been... Um, you know, super fast, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, it's hard for me to tell because I'm always just sitting in in the studio painting. I'm not really out there like looking at the internet or anything.
0: <laughs> um, did you have any mentors that help you um, get your career up and running?
1: Well, I mean, it was super crazy how it happened actually. Like, uh, I mean, I, I basically, after I'd gone to grad school, I mean, I had made, at the end of my term at grad school, I had made four little paintings at grad school that were, like, I think they were, like, 16 by 16 inches each. And um, they were kind of, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen those little square, um, like, forest scenes with the guys fighting in them. Yeah. Um, they were, like, some of the original ones that I'd done. And, um I'd finished grad school. I'd made those paintings. I came back to Los Angeles and started working. And I was really, at that point, not thinking that I was going to be doing art, like painting, fine art. Um, And I'd just kind of given in to the fact that I was just going to be designing at that point. And so what i wanted to do is i wanted to design books for artists and so um i was working with marcia goldberg on a book she she runs a new image art gallery and she came over to my house and and uh we were designing the book and she saw the paintings that were sitting up against the wall in my studio at my house and she was like oh i i think i could sell those paintings Do you want to be in a group show? And so um, I made, like, uh, those four paintings into nine paintings and then put them in that group show. And then things just kind of, like, took off from there. So it was weird because I didn't have, like, um, I I really didn't think that I was going to, like, go back into doing painting. But it just kind of, like serendipitously happened
0: <laughs> Was it was it always a dream in the background to to be living off your artwork?
1: Yeah, absolutely I mean, the first schools that I went to I was studying painting so I always wanted to be a painter since I was, you know 10 years old or 12 years old or something I mean, I just I only did graphic design because I needed to earn money to survive,
0: you know? Yeah. Um, I interviewed uh, Rob Zagula a few months ago, and he uh, he mentioned that you and him both worked as assistants for Shepard Fairey. Did, um, yeah. did that role help open some doors for you?
1: I mean, I basically worked as a designer over there. So I would do, like, um, you know, special projects for working with Shepard. We'd work on stuff together. I don't know. I mean... Um, I think that it was good to work with Shepard and, like, um, we kind of, I I don't know if it, like, uh, necessarily opened a bunch of doors for me, because I think we're kind of like, um, I mean, we don't do the same thing, you know what I mean? And we don't show at the same galleries, but we're definitely in the, I guess, in the same world and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was there um, was there one like uh, project or painting that really um, that really helped propel your career?
1: I mean, I think it was that first show with Marcia Goldberg over at New Art because um, like uh, Jeffrey Deitch bought the paintings and then he put them in a traveling show that he did at Deitch Gallery, and then he took them down to Art Basel. So I think that was what um kind of started off my my career
0: yeah i'm blown away that you've only um quit your job two years ago because you seem like uh quite a prominent figure in the art world and you seem to be you know doing so much work and going you know exhibiting in big galleries and on the cover of magazines and uh, no, i just i'm really surprised that it's only been two years since you uh you chucked it all in was that was that due to um like confidence <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I was like doing hard all the time and I was working all the time and I just needed, I mean, until that point, like I wasn't earning enough money, I don't think, to fully leave my job, you know, because I've got some kids and, you know, a house payment and everything. So it was just that that was the tipping point to where I was able to be financially secured and, and able
0: to leave. Yeah. And how how was that when you finally did it? it great feeling. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I mean, you know, it was funny because I thought, oh, if I could only, you know, have as much time as I could to do my work, and then everything would be, um, like, say, I thought that if I didn't have an eight-hour-a-day job five days a week, I would just be able to work eight hours on my art, and then I'd be able to kind of take the rest of the day off and just chill out. But what ends up happening is you just fill up all the time anyways, you know, with working. So it's really the same amount of busyness, it's just all my time is devoted to to working on my stuff now.
0: Yeah. And when you're trying to, um, and when you're getting home from work, you're not exhausted from putting your energy towards someone else's work.
1: Yeah, that's why I always would wake up early and work on my stuff before I went to the other job.
0: Because
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wanted all that good energy for my stuff.
0: Yeah. So once you got uh, up and running <laughs> and, um, and quit your job and was going with your art career, was it smooth sailing or was it were there some wobbly moments? I mean,
1: I think it's been smooth sailing. Everything's been just, I don't know. I've got a lot of friends, you know, that kind of, I like to work with and that have galleries and that help me out and that I do shows with. And I think that um, I don't think that I've had any kind of turmoil, you know. Hmm. I mean, it, you know, there's been situations where some of the art world is a little bit sketchy and it's hard to deal with like certain galleries and stuff. But all in all, I think that everything is tended to work out and be positive.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, I've seen you get bundled in with the street art crowd when being featured in group shows and interviews. Like, apart from your murals, have you um, have you worked much in the streets and do you consider yourself a uh, street artist?
1: I mean, I've done just a few – I've done some murals and stuff, but I don't really consider myself a street artist because I just didn't come from, like, the graffiti thing or, like um, – I mean, I guess I've like uh, retina is actually the first person that asked me to paint a mural on his wall, like on the outside of his studio and so after I did that, then a lot of people asked me to paint um, stuff on the streets but and I do it sometimes, but only like if it's like a really special project, you know I don't like do. Every fair and all, all that stuff, because I think a lot of the the stuff that people are doing on the streets is kind of, I don't know, it's a little bit um, too friendly for me, I
0: guess. Yeah. And uh, do you, do you paint um, like murals inside your uh, exhibitions at times as well?
1: I'm about to actually. I'm I'm working towards an exhibition in february and i'm gonna i'm i'm just starting to sketch out a mural right now for that but it's like a very large space so i think it'll it'll fit well in there i haven't ever done a mural inside of a inside of a proper art show yet
0: yeah because i saw um i saw one of your murals in a um in the Lazarides show uh, called brutal that was in an abandoned office block in London a few years ago that was um that was that was, that was really good to see in the flesh
1: yeah that was like uh, in that in that dingy basement spot <laughs> yeah that was crazy yeah
0: yeah it was a really cool show though the way they um they lit it all and um you know cuz you walk in it's like you're walking into an abandoned building but then the way it was everything was lit i don't know if you saw it once it was all hung but um it was a really good experience like going through this office block it was um yeah, it wasn't like going to a normal gallery it was um it was almost felt like you weren't meant to be there
1: yeah i think they tore that place down actually that place uh was some kind of huge accounting firm or something yeah we spent like a week down in the basement there painting that thing <laughs> it was pretty crazy
0: yeah and so um cool. yeah i was working across the road from it at the time in in london it was on the strand it was um yeah it was i didn't even know it was on i just heard through a friend and popped down there on my uh lunch break it was yeah it was really cool to uh just to, to discover a lot of great artists in there
1: that's cool what were you doing over there were you were you a graphic designer there
0: yeah yeah i was working for um branding and packaging agencies
1: oh wow yeah. so you're probably more pro than i am man
0: <laughs> i did it for a long time but um I'm really happy to be living off my art now, though.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's a hard gig, man. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a lot to, of old designers. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I find that with graphic design, it's like you're trying to read other people's minds and um and do what they want you to do. Whereas with art, you just create whatever whatever you feel like creating, and people buy that.
1: Yeah, and you know what's super funny is that um, the jobs that I always wanted to do like say in the graphic design world you know the like cream of the cream jobs I always I get those jobs now that I've kind of like thrown away that whole mentality of trying to figure out what other people want and just do my own thing (laughs) it's ironic
0: yeah I I was the same I had um, like dream jobs that for me would have you know the, the agencies I really wanted to get involved in or the clients that I wanted and I got into a few of those agencies and once I quit my job the the real cream of the crop ones actually started calling me up to get me in even just for trials and um yeah it was really um uh liberating just saying no I'm not interested <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um but you've uh you've exhibited a lot throughout your career like um like what are some of the standout shows you've had
1: uh, I think this last one at Agnes B it was a really good one um because it was like a great kind of, Agnes's spot is like really had a great history of showing good artists. And um, it's a, it's like a, it's a really good cultural place, you know, that since 1970s, she's been doing shows in Paris and, and um, worked with uh, really, really like good, good artists. I think they've got like a Harmony Korean show up right now. And, um, I've just done a ton of good stuff in the past. I think that's one of them. I mean, I've done, you know, work with, um, Palais de Tokyo, which is in Paris. Another good one was the new image art show did Hong Kong with, um, over the influence. Lots of stuff. I mean, they've all been good, you know?
0: Yeah. And um, like, how have you gone about like getting involved in these really like big and amazing shows?
1: Um, well, it's it's all through people that I know or people, and where they've asked me to be a part. I guess I don't I don't know. You know, it's like uh, I guess I just started making stuff that I like. And stopped worrying about what other people might like or not like and then people started noticing what I was doing and then asking me to kind of be a part of what they were doing it's it's strange
0: (laughs) and um and like for someone trying to you know sort of step it up and get in with some of these bigger galleries would you like have any advice for someone trying to do that
1: uh, I mean, all I could advise anybody on doing would be just to, like, follow your instincts. And, like, uh, and I mean, I think that the most important thing is just developing, like, uh, or figuring out what, what makes you special, I guess, and just kind of chasing that. And not um, second-guessing yourself or editing yourself. I think the editing of yourself is a bad thing, you know? I always try not to do that and um, and see because like initially when I was doing shows like nobody was buying my art and um, you know I didn't think it was going to be like well received I was kind of doing stuff that um, I mean I, I wanted to do stuff that I thought was important and I didn't necessarily want to worry about selling stuff. So because I had that job, you know, I was able to kind of like do a few shows and not depend on like, um, worrying about like, say making something that was small enough to fit in people's houses. I made big art, you know, um, I, I did the, what I wanted to do and not kind of what was marketable, I guess. And, um, I think that that was the best kind of approach that I could ever take because, um, I think people want, like, I think that people in the art world want to see that you're ambitious and that you're, um, you have a bigger vision than to kind of just do little teeny shows and stuff like that. You know, it's almost like, uh, what's that Kevin Costner movie where he's like a baseball guy or something, I've and he's like of dreams. <laughs> He says, like, build it and they will come or something. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make the art and then, you know, if you're lucky, people will like it and put it in their shoes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you, uh, you sold a piece to Lex Luthor, didn't you? In the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd that come about? Was Batman versus Superman and Lex Luthor had one of your pieces in, in his apartment. Is that right? There
1: yeah. was... Filming that in um, Detroit and uh, Library Street, the guys at Library Street, um, they uh, hooked that up. So we loaned them a couple of pieces for the filming. Yeah, that's another good show, I think, is the Library Street show.
0: I bought one of your uh, your prints a while back and I was really surprised at how affordable it was. Like, do you keep your prints and multiples at a lower price so you've covered a few different price points and can kind of deal appeal to different demographics
1: I think it's good I mean like say paintings are expensive you know and prints I think should be attainable I think there's a history of that like um, Albrecht Durer the first guy that started making prints kind of made them for just regular people you know and and all all kinds of people all kinds of really great artists that made prints in the past and I think that I mean you got some prints that are like insanely expensive, like a Chuck Close print that's like, I don't know how many colors, but 90 colors or something like that. Of course, that's going to be expensive. But I mean, I like the idea of, um, of people being able to have the art, you know, and people being able to put it in their houses. So I want to be able to share my art with people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed a few artists do it where they sell their paintings at a really high price to serious collectors, and they know their core fan base won't be able to afford it, so they do print releases at a low price so everyone can get a piece. I think it's a really <laughs> smart move to if you're if you're a popular artist and you appeal to a wide audience, but pe- people just want to hang yeah art in, the, in in their house but not something that's bootleg or you know like something that's still official yet um yet cheaper.
1: Yeah, and I I'm, and I actually kind of really try to make the prints really nice too. You know, like they're on good paper and like I don't know, they're they're hand printed and everything. So with the torn edges and everything. So <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. Because yeah, really- I'm a designer, I like nice shit. You know what I mean? So like I like nice printed books and nice prints and. And then I make the sculpture. The small sculptures are kind of, you know, not – I mean, they're expensive, but, like, for how difficult it is to actually produce those fucking things, they're pretty reasonable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How would you get into doing the sculptures?
1: I always wanted to do sculptures, and um, so I think – I can't – Oh, the first ones I did with, uh, at, for the library street show, I think. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I just got the idea and then, um, those guys at library, um, helped me fund it. And we, we did it, you know, I just think it like, you know, after you work on stuff that's so flat for so long and that's what I was doing, it's like, I wanted to see what it would look like dimensionally you know and i've always had this thing where i like i remember i took a a sculpture class at art college and i just like miserably failed at it because i just didn't know what the fuck to make you know what i mean (laughs) but since i've already kind of created my world you know that i of the characters and everything and I just thought, like, this is really a good opportunity to kind of see how these forms work in space, and I think it turned out really nice. So, I'm actually working on three or four new ones right now. I'm excited about.
0: It. Yeah, some some of them life size as well.
1: the The newest one I'm making is going to be ten feet tall, so wow, bigger than life size.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I've been um. I've been playing around with with clay a bit over the time as well. Like I, I've I've been meaning to get back into sculpture. I've been a bit busy, but um, the first artworks I ever sold were were sculptures made that I made in high school. It was um, yeah. But I, need, I really want to get back into it. I bought that New Age of Ceramics book recently, and you've got a piece in there. Oh, Okay, yeah. cool. It's a really, yeah. I think um,
1: it's super fun. I mean, it, and then uh, just the way that the ceramics feels is is like heavy and it feels like stone or something it's really cool
0: mm. yeah i've been exploring with that um that self-hardening clay it's uh it's oh. a lo- lot of fun because it's cheap to buy and you don't have to put it in the kiln or anything but i can start playing with some forms and working out like you know what i want to invest my time into and, and, and make actually larger yeah and, um, yeah you just make it in the studio and then i just sit it on the bench for a couple of days but um, then I sometimes get like some chrome or gold spray paint and paint it. And people come by the studio and think I've been doing, you know, like casting and stuff. <laughs> <But> it's, <just laughs> like, yeah, it's like a $6 block of clay that I can make five sculptures out of. you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, It's
1: fun. I mean, anything that, you know, gets you out of your element, I guess, is good, right? Like, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So you've had the chance to work on some uh, some amazing projects. Like I saw that one that you did under the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Like how did yeah. that all come about? I mean, basically
1: the Palais de Tokyo asked me to be part of um, this new Blanche festival that they were doing over there. And um, the they, the Eiffel Tower was the spot that they kind of designated for me. And it's fun it's super funny because like um like I think I had done a drawing and then they if I'm right they I think they rejected the first drawing that I did and then um and then my friend over there that's a curator at Palais Hugo was like do another one do another one and I was like I seriously sat down and I was like, man, am I going to spend a whole fucking day doing this drawing? <laughs> Should I even waste my time? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I did it. And um, it went through amazingly because there was a lot of bureaucracy, you know, in dealing with, like, the people at the Eiffel Tower. Not that they were difficult, but it's like a government kind of situation, you know? Like, it's not the easiest thing to do a drawing for, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you have to tone your style down for it as well?
1: Yeah, like, I kind of had to, I mean, it wasn't violent. And the idea was to interpret this um, mythological story. And so I I did an interpretation of that. And um, I, I think it turned out good. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it looked great. um, It's still there. (laughs) Is it? it, So it's actually, it's permanent.
1: It it seems so at this point. I know that like they're giving tour. I go back to Paris all the time. So I guess the last time we were there, the tour guide was actually telling a story about it, which is kind of cool because I mean, I didn't realize that um, the Eiffel Tower basically like documents everything that goes on at the Eiffel Tower, you know? And there's, like, a history from when the Eiffel Tower was built until present, and they, they literally, like, photograph everything, and then it goes into the, into the history, you know? So, like, it's just crazy to me that, like, what I've done has become part of the history of, of the Eiffel Tower, you know?
0: Yeah. It's really impressive. I love how the, um, there's a lot of aerial shots of it, like, looking down from the tower
1: yeah it's really funny because people always like ask me like what are you going to do next and then what do you how does it feel painting the Eiffel Tower and I'm always like well you know I didn't really have this on my agenda you know to do this project but that's how it kind of goes you know like you don't really like a lot of stuff comes up that you're not really um, planning on doing but just, like, you got to take advantage of, like, whatever opportunity comes up.
0: <laughs> totally. So what other projects have you worked on that spring to mind? I just did that boat
1: with the Rothschilds over there that was, like, um, the Katana boat. The It's a trimaran that they're going to race around the world. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. I saw that.
1: I think... Um, I mean, I've done uh, mural in uh, Abu Dhabi, um, painted under a bridge in Poland, a lot of a lot of projects. I think mm.
0: with that boat, it was um, the thing that really stood out to me was how cool it looked. How you didn't just stick to the sail. You know how people say, "Oh, you go do a design for a boat," and they'll they'll just do the sail. I like how you did like a full wrap around the whole um, the whole structure.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it turned out really cool. Um, It's actually a really huge thing. The boat's actually, I mean, it's like 130 feet. And um, uh, I don't know, it was really, it was interesting to design it because it's not, like say, if I was thinking, okay, I'm going to paint these sails, like you think of one configuration, but there's really like, many different configurations that have to go with the sails, you know. The one in the back goes up and down, and then the front is like three or four different sails that change out. So the artwork has to work like in every variable, so it's not the easiest thing to actually design it. It took me like six or seven drawings to get it right.
0: (laughs) Wow. And I saw them, um, yeah, lowering it into the water with a big crane. It's like... You know, you got a uh, a rich man's sport where you need a crane just to sort of put your uh, <laughs> you know put your tools in the water, I guess. You know, <laughs> it's not like a skateboard; yeah. you just throw it down and take off. You know, it's like oh, I need to get a no, crane.
1: <laughs> it's cool. Man. It took a hundred. I think it was. They told me it was a hundred and forty people worked for four years to build that boat. Jeez. So, it's really. I mean. It's a serious commitment. It's And the boat's going to be around for 10 years with the art on it. So they're not just going to repaint it or anything. Hmm. Like that is the boat. So it's pretty pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So looking at your Instagram, you seem to work with a lot of brands and take on a wide variety of projects. Like are you a type of artist who likes to collaborate with designers and brands and get your art across a variety of project projects?
1: Um, I mean – yeah, at this point, like, um, I, I like working with good brands, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that um, if the situation is right, you can do, and you can do something that's special and really cool, then it's it's worthwhile, you know? And um, certain situations, like, say, working with Huff. Like, I used to skateboard, so... I mean, and um, I knew like Keith back in the day, so I thought that that was like a super cool project, you know, Um, just because it kind of, it was from my roots, you know, and um, so I'll do projects that I like, you know, it'll be good.
0: Cool. Uh, And how, how do you break up your time? Do you jump around from different projects or do you just focus on one at a time?
1: Right now I've just been working. I'm going to have a show at the um, Museum of Contemporary Art in Denver. So it's been like a long haul on this on this project because it's a huge space to fill up. So this is like this this show I've been working on for the last like five months, I think. So it's the longest one, but I usually just kind of, like, just so I don't get, like, bored, just jump in between stuff, you know? Before I was doing smaller shows, and um, they were kind of quicker deadlines. So um, I'd work for, like, three months on a show and get that done, and then maybe if something comes up in between, like, drawing for the – New Yorker or the New York Times or something. i do that in between. Or the, the thing in Paris. Like, there's certain projects that come up that are just cool and that you can't say no to. So, like, you just have to hustle and kind of figure out how to make it happen, you know? Yeah. And that's just how it works always, you know?
0: <laughs> and you go quite big with your projects as well. So, do you have, like, a team of people helping you out?
1: I got... Right now, I mean, until like five months ago maybe, I had like one assistant, and he and I just painted all the time. And now I've got two assistants. And so I do all the paintings, and then they help me fill them in and everything and do second coats on the paintings. And then they help stretch canvases and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And do you have – um. Do you have like an art dream or somewhere you're trying to get to with your artwork? Uh,
1: I just – I kind of want to just keep getting – like going bigger and um, just pushing myself to do more exciting projects and do good shows, I guess, you know. I think that – I think I like doing shows where – say you have like um, a lot of space to explore an idea you know like two or three rooms or something in a gallery so it's like um you can really put something solid together instead of just having like one or two pieces you know that's my kind of thing and um right now i mean i'm working on some big sculptures that i'm really excited about and um The next year and the next two years, I think I've got some really cool shows planned out. So I'm excited about that.
0: Cool. And can you think of uh, one habit that has assisted in helping you find success?
1: Just working every day and not, um, like it's not about um, inspiration. It's more about just sitting down and spending time. Because really, when it comes down to it, like um, I want to say, making art isn't the most exciting thing. It's it's really a lot of work and kind of tedious, you know, being creative. <laughs> but at the end of the at the end of it, you know, like it, say you've worked for four months on a project, you get like um, you get to go to the show, and and it's always amazing at the end when you see a show and you're like. I can't believe I made this, you know, but it's pretty much held until you hit the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. Sometimes I I find I'm just can't wait to get something finished just so I can look at it when it's done. If you know what I mean, I'm not like enjoying the process so much, but I'm really excited just to see the finished product.
1: Yeah. And, but that's, I think that's the trick. Like if somehow, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I was so excited just to make stuff, you know? And that's what I try to do, is get to that point where I'm excited to make stuff, you know? Like, that's ideal. Like, if I'm in a good space, like, I'll be excited to make new stuff every day, you know? Yeah. But, a lot of times, it's kind of an arduous process. Mm-hmm. But, it's like, it's one of those things that, like, I wouldn't trade it for anything, because, like, I get to do whatever the fuck I want to do all the time, you know? Which is great. It's, and, um, it's exciting.
0: Yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I don't want to sound
1: ungrateful, man. <laughs> sorry, what's up? I said I don't want to sound ungrateful. I know. I, like, just to be an artist, like, to be able to do art, you, you're fucking lucky. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. Like, I, um, I set reminders on my phone just to remind myself that I'm um, doing exactly what I've dreamt of doing my whole life. You know, just so I'm not like, oh, another day oh, off to the studio, bloody hell. You know, it's like, I'm actually like, hang on, this is what I've been asking for. This is what I've dreamt yeah. of. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, um, where's the best place for people to view your artwork online? Um, I mean,
1: Instagram is maybe some current stuff. And then um, my website, just cleonpeterson.com. But I, I I don't know the Instagram thing is hard. I, I I try not to post all my new stuff on Instagram because I want everybody to see it when they get to the show, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like a, a black hole of um, man. It's hard to keep up with that thing. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, just don't try to. That's the trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ignore it. Like, like you've got a big following, and I've um, I was with a friend of mine in Spain, Ariz, and he was almost having like anxiety attacks over trying to keep up with Instagram and because he's got such a large following. That, um, oh. People will send messages and comment and all that, but he couldn't keep up with everything. I said, look, just don't worry about it. And he's like, oh, I don't want to offend people. I <laughs> like, I don't know, put something on there saying, if you really want to get in contact with me, email me or something. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's, you know.
0: Get on with the it's work. It's a
1: good thing. Know. It's great that, I mean, you could send something out in the world and a lot of people will see it. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um and then just get back to work. <laughs> get back yeah. to creating more uh, more art, you know, instead of um, you know, spending your life scrolling away.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, I saw you I saw your new website. I thought that was really, really cool. Like you've got some um, great projects on there.
1: Oh, thanks, man.
0: Yeah, yeah that's
1: may- mainly like the show from um, from Agnes B.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, man. Well, um, thanks a lot for taking the time to have a chat. Yeah, um, sure thing. Yeah, it's been a, you know, been re- I've been really looking forward to speaking to you. When I first started this um, podcast, I wrote a list of people I wanted to interview, and you were on there. So, um, oh, nice. I thought I
1: saw I saw you done like uh, Mark McKee on there. That's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's been really good. Just you know, finding people I really want to speak to and just just asking them, and you know, ninety percent of the time they say yes.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, cool. I think oh.
1: everybody, you know, that's one thing is I think everybody's more approachable than you might think. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> In life. and that's one thing I've learned more than anything else. I think, especially in the last two years or so, is that if you want something, ask for it. <laughs> totally.
0: What's the worst can happen? You get, someone says no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad.
1: It takes 40 years to learn that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram bench underscore talk that you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast bench talks also streaming on soundcloud and facebook just simply search for bench talk podcast or you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes while you're there don't forget to rate and review it helps get the word out and if you like the podcast don't forget to tell a friend thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode bye